Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be Red Hot for the Messiah. Well, my guest is Dr. Brian Simmons, and uh, I interviewed uh, someone a few months back, and they told me about the Bible called the Passion Translation. Just the name alone interested me. So I went out to a bookstore, and I started reading it, and I was fascinated with it. But before we even get into that, uh, Brian, we got saved about the same time so many Jewish people were swept into the kingdom in the early 70s, the Jesus movement, and I understand that's what happened to you, too. That's right. Those were exciting days, the early 70s. Our hearts were just trembling in love with Jesus and just coming to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It just thrilled so many of us in this generation. Now, this this is what my notes say, but I want to hear you tell me about it. You got saved. You were in the army. You ran back to the barracks, and what happened? I was off base uh, in the military. I went to a uh, off base church ministry and came back in probably about nine o'clock that night. And I was so excited. I had received Jesus Christ. It was so real. And uh, I went into the barracks and just called everyone to come and listen to the message I had to tell them. And they didn't know what it was about. But wow, Holy Spirit hit all of us. About 10 people came to know Jesus that night. And uh, from that moment on, I began to wonder, maybe there's something in my life that God could use. And I just offered him my heart. Now, now at that time, you were as heathen as as could be. Uh, you were into drugs and all types of da- darkness, and uh, you, you were, uh, from what I understand, even in despair. Oh my! I was discouraged, depressed, lonely, in despair. I had been strung out on drugs. I was in trouble in the military. I needed something very special to change my life, and of course, Jesus is the answer. He came into my heart, turned the light on inside, and just darkness instantly left, and I became a brand new person. Well, you know, I I relate to what you're saying so much, because when I became a believer, I I was like a, a, a firecracker, like a rocket. I took off, and I never landed, and I didn't understand that every believer isn't that way. I know what made me that way. What do you think made you that way? Whereas a lot of people, they get saved and they appreciate their salvation, but they go on and life is almost as usual. Well, for me, it was just cut and dry. It was darkness to light. Jesus says, you know, if if, uh, you're forgiven much, you're going to love much. And those of us in that generation, we were absolutely messed up. And I was in particular. So coming to know Jesus and the forgiving grace to be drenched in his love, to have every sin washed away by his blood. I, I just wrecked me. I, I had to give him the rest of my life. It's the same thing that happened to you. 
Yeah, it's, it, and to me, I was shocked that it didn't happen to everyone, to be quite candid with you. But uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Early 80s, you're at an all-night prayer meeting, and you pray a crazy prayer. What was it? Oh, wow. Well, we were in the jungle. Uh, we were in the rainforest right on the border of Colombia and Panama in the jungle village of Pucaro. We had been there for uh, nearly two years. So so you're there with your wife and three kids? That's right. Now, is it t- that, must, that was a hard decision to bring three young kids into the jungle. Oh, of course it was. And we had many tell us how wrong we were and how uh, stupid I was to lead my wife and children into this dangerous uh, jungle ministry. But we, we just knew God was enough. Uh, God plus nothing. That's all we need. And he's big enough to care for us, and he's big enough to change the hearts of people. Okay, so tell me about that all-night prayer meeting where you prayed a crazy prayer. Well, it was very hot under a mosquito net in the jungle, and I prayed this prayer. I said, God, if you cannot come and shake this village, if you cannot come and change my heart and the hearts of these people— then I'm going to go back to North America and tell the churches that sent us and supported us that you weren't big enough to do this. Now, did you really mean that prayer? I really meant it. I was praying with such intensity. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you how passionate those words came out of me. Now, was it an if, or did you believe that he really was going to do something, the prayer? I believed he had to do something, and that my prayer could just trigger an avalanche of his glory into the village. And indeed it did. What happened? Well, I woke up the next morning, or got up the next morning, I didn't sleep, and um, instantly you could feel the atmosphere over our village was had changed. Uh, I can't describe it, but it was tangible. And immediately I was smitten, I was struck with my own failure as a missionary, my own lack of love for the people. So I made what I call the Trail of Tears. I went through the village. Uh, we had about five, 600 people in about uh, a number of huts, and I went from hut to hut in our village, and I asked, uh, started with our neighbors, and I asked them to forgive me for not loving them, for not being the example of Jesus to them, and not really presenting the one who sent me. So uh, in tears, I would ask their forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit would fall. It was so unbelievable. Sid, they would fall down into the dirt and shake under God's power, and they would— Had you ever seen anything like that before? I had never in my life seen it. So you had no grid to go on. <laughs> no, I came from a very staunch evangelical background, and th- that was totally out of my comfort zone. You know, I read a book years ago uh, that uh, was about uh, missionaries with the Baptist Church, and I read the uncleaned-up version. They have the same book out now with the cleaned-up version, and the uncleaned-up version sounded like the wildest charismatics you ever saw in your life. This is a Baptist. Well, that was our background. We were Baptists and, and had been trained well and taught the Bible. I loved the scriptures from the first day I was converted, but I did not know about Holy Spirit, Ruach Kodesh, to have the Holy Spirit fall in the jungle 
and that there wasn't any worship music. There was no CD playing. It was just a sovereign move of God. The wind blows where it wills, and the Holy Spirit wind blew over that village. Well, 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 wait a second now. Since you, a nice evangelical Baptist, love God, never seen anything like this, did you say, well, maybe this isn't God? No, because I could see their hard hearts melting as my hard heart melted. It was just such a sovereign. It's like the mountain of pride melts like wax when you get into his presence, when the true grace and anointing of God manifests, uh, we, we can do nothing but just uh, bow before him. And so amazing. I had not even given them the gospel, but the Holy Spirit was winning their hearts right in front of my eyes. Now, you had passion before, but would you say this was when the passion really exploded within you? Oh, my. When I saw God answer that prayer, and I saw him sweep through our village, and I knew our, our friends there, the the uh, Payakuna people, they, they are hard and stubborn, much like Americans that we know here. And God gripped them, melted their pride, and brought uh, such a move of the Spirit to them. Uh, I knew it was God. Uh, how, how many came to the Lord? Well, nearly the whole village. Now, you know what? It's my heart's desire and belief that that's going to happen in the United States, entire cities, maybe entire states. If you could do it in, in Central America, why can't we do it in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> maybe we need to pray those radical prayers again. Uh, God <laughs> interprets our heart, and he is looking for men and women with passion. And I, I really look back and realize that I had just come to the end. And when I prayed those crazy prayers, that's when the Holy Spirit began to move. So, Lord, bring us to that desperation again. Well, tell me about, uh, for a Central American tribe, you actually uh, worked for Wycliffe Bible Translators and produced, uh, for the first time in history, a Bible in their language. Yes, uh, I, it was with New Tribes Mission, along with the Wycliffe Bible Translators. And yes, I, I always want to to make it clear that I was a co-translator. It takes such a team to bring the scriptures into a tribal language. And I'm so thankful for the South African friend that was there uh, in a nearby village that could work with us to translate. Now, what difference did it make when they got the scriptures in their own language? Oh, my you know, Sid, they had never read anything in their life. So we not only had to give them the scriptures, we had to teach them literacy so that they could read their own language. It had been an unspoken or an unwritten language, I should say, until we got there. And we finalized the linguistic analysis and put, uh, put it into an alphabet and gave them a literacy program. And then imagine one of the first books they read is the Bible, the New Testament, the book of Luke the book of Romans. What a joy to hand them a completed New Testament. And what kind of fruit have you seen as a result of that? Well, our missionaries had been kidnapped and killed right after our departure from the village. Uh, Colombian drug cartel came in with automatic weapons, kidnapped the remaining missionaries, and uh, shot them in the jungle. Bodies were never found. And you would think that could just put an end, but it didn't. The work continued. And 
to this day, there is still a thriving, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-reading, Bible-loving uh, group of believers that gathers twice a day, seven days a week. They gather twice a day, and uh, they love God, they worship Him, and, of course, read the, read the Bible in their own language. Now, you hear an audible voice of God, and He instructs you to move back to North America. Why? Well, I did. I was praying at 5 o'clock one morning, and the voice of the Lord spoke. It was so powerful and so intimate at the same time. And uh, he said these words. He says, I'm sending revival to North America. You're going to be a part of it. I want you to go back. And, uh, and he gave me a couple of other commissionings that are just now taking place. But um, it, that so stirred me. I said, God, if, if this is really you, first I walked through our hut to make sure no one else was playing a game with me. Just out of curiosity, would you have just stayed there maybe the rest of your life if God hadn't said that? Oh, absolutely. We were committed to... Now, would you have perhaps been murdered like your other friends if you had stayed there? I would have been. I would have been martyred there in the hmm. village. I'm sure they were after me and the work we were doing there. So God had a reason to get you out of there, but what he did say to you is there would be a great awakening. Is that in the nation? all the nations or just America? What did he say? I think it's all the nations, but my role was that I was to come back to North America and help uh, help move this awakening into reality. Did he tell you anything about the awakening at that time? He did say that there would be prophets. He said that we were to listen to the prophets that he sent and that uh, they would give insight into his ways and what he was saying. Now, when God spoke to you, uh, I know God speaks to me in many ways. He speaks to me in reading the scriptures. He speaks to me in a uh, an inner voice, so to speak. Uh, was this stronger than that? Oh, much. It was a sound that went right through me. It was outside of me and all around me. And it was so dramatic and unexpected. I was just reading my Bible and praying as I do every morning, and the voice of the Lord came to me. And I, I've never had anything like it since. It's not like that happens every day, but uh, I could never deny that it happened there in the jungle as we were missionaries. Has it happened any other time that audible, that loud? I understand you, you walked outside of the building you were in and wanted to know what, what that was. Exactly. I, I thought someone was playing a game or a trick, and I walked around to make sure there was no one around that early in the morning. I went back inside, sat at my desk, and again, I said, Lord, if this is you, say it again to me. And he repeated the same identical words, awakening, revival is coming to the nations, you're going to be a part of it, and I'm sending you back. And uh, that was the end of our missionary career. Shortly after that was when the um, drug cartel came in and kidnapped our men, killed them. Well, it's interesting you're talking about uh, Africa right now, because we had a man 
uh, at our last television shoot. We have a studio audience, and there was a man there uh, that said he loved it supernatural television, and he was setting up the first Christian television station. It'll cover one million people in Cameroon, Africa. Uh, do you know where Cameroon is, Brian? I do. That's amazing. <laughs> Western Africa is going to have its supernatural. I know. It's, it's supernatural. Hello, Sid Roth here with Dr. Brian Simmons. And uh, Brian moves back from being a missionary in Africa, uh, and he starts a, a church in the New England area, uh, uh, and uh, he's, he's pastoring. It's the late 90s. He's praying at home, and something, I think it's phenomenal, happened to you, Brian. Tell me about it. Well, I, I had an amazing encounter that happened. I was in my bedroom, sitting on the edge of my bed. I was praying. I was actually just thinking about uh, some of the mistakes I'd made in ministry and began to confess to the Lord my deep need of Him. And all at once, to my left, the wall of my bedroom melted. And in a very dramatic, supernatural, wide-awake encounter, the one I love walked through that wall, and the light surrounding him was so bright, it was so burning and strong, uh, I was just almost blinded by this light. It was amazing, Sid. Well, could that been the light that hit Paul the Apostle, the same thing, where he was actually blinded? Wow, if it was, I got a little taste of that, because my eyes, I buried my face in the bed sheets of my bed and and just screamed and shrieked, and still the light was burning its way into me. And did you hear a voice? What happened? No, there was no voice. Just the burning presence of God, of Jesus Christ, stayed in my room for about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, actually, time stood still. And at that moment, my life just suddenly was turned inside out, uh, much like the pockets of your, your jeans get turned inside out. That's how my heart was. My life was emptied out before him. And in that encounter, I was just brought to the end of myself. I realized as a pastor that uh, I needed Jesus. I loved him. What do you mean you needed him? You put your life on the line. You were a missionary. Your other friends are all murdered. What do you mean you need him? You, you did more than most at that point in your life. Oh, but I needed him for grace and for love and compassion. There were you know, our church was growing. We had hundreds and hundreds coming into our church, and we needed to—I needed to show them the love of God and express the love of Christ. And it's amazing how many people say they, they don't need to repent, but when you get into the burning presence of Jesus, there's no option. You empty your heart, you turn around, you, you uh, repent from darkness and evil in any form— and you just want him. You want the holiness. You want the light to shine inside of you. Now, now, is it true that it was so uncomfortable, I guess that's the only word I can come up with, that you thought if it continued much longer, you would die? That's exactly how I felt. I, after, after the time in his presence and my heart had been emptied out and I felt like there was nothing else, 
inside of me, I, I was concerned that I was going to die right there. My wife would come home and find me dead in my in our house, uh, slain by the Lord. But I had to cry out. I said, Lord, I, I love you, but you're going to have to lift this intensity from me or I'm going to die. Describe the light to me that was over you. Well, it was... Um, it was so powerful. It was like the, the light of the sun. It was a six-foot radius, a ball of light. And I could barely, the initial gaze I saw of it, I could barely see the figure of the man of glory in that light. But it was so strong, I couldn't gaze upon it, couldn't look on it. It's like the Mount of Transfiguration said Jesus' face shined like the sun. It was so bright. Okay, when you went to church... Did it have any effect on your staff? Oh, my. Let me tell you what happened. After, after Jesus left my room and the wall went back to shape, I had the most strange thing. I remembered that I had to get a, a gallon of milk at the grocery store. So I made my way to the car, got into the grocery store, and came into the door, and instantly people around me, a, a 30-foot radius around me, people were falling out. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was strange. I knew they couldn't be having heart attacks. And then I finally realized halfway back to the milk counter that it was this presence that had clung to me. So then I went from there back to the, to the school. Uh, we had a school in our church at the time, and we had chapel going on with the kids. And uh, first I went into the office, and my staff just froze like you clicked pause on a remote control. They just froze. And finally, after minutes, one of them said, Pastor Brian, what happened to you? And I said, well, I'm going to have to tell you later. And I went from there into the chapel. And as soon as I went into the chapel, kids were all there waiting for me. I was late getting in. And I just sat on the steps at the altar in our chapel and the kids instantly, likewise, began to fall out. Some of them went into trances. The Holy Spirit fell like he did in the jungle. Little kids, five, six, eight, ten years old, they're shaking under God's power. This was uh, such a dramatic move of God. I, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there stunned and waited until school was over. Now, and what happened with, you, with your church? I mean, here you have a church in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, did this have any effect on, on your whole church? It had a tremendous effect on our people. Uh, the church from that day forward began to grow. We had to move out of our small building that seated maybe uh, 300 and went into a church that, that seated 1,200. And uh, God just put a light on. And it was as though favor and grace came upon our church, our congregation, and people from uh, different states would drive just to come and soak in our meetings and experience God's presence. It had a dramatic effect on me personally and upon our congregation. Uh, how about the supernatural with you? Did you see a higher level of miracles taking place? I did. I, I began to have more dreams, more prophetic dreams, where the Lord would give me insight into the needs of the congregation, the needs of our region. Tell me about the one-year-old baby that was raised from the dead. 
Well, we were in India. I took a team of 25 people to India, Madurai, India, and we had a major meeting. Maybe 10,000 people were in that meeting. And during the teaching, I had an open vision. I saw a mother carrying a dead child, and I saw it on a television screen that opened up in front of me. And I knew on the television that I was to tell the vision. So I spoke it out. I said, there's a woman that brought a dead child to this meeting in hopes of of resurrection coming to your baby. Come forward right now. God wants to raise your child from the dead. And I'm glad I got it out quick, because if I thought about it, I never would have said those words. And the team that was with me, sitting behind me, they suddenly, I heard them all say, Pastor Brian, how can you say that? Uh, what if it doesn't happen? And <laughs> I, I think that all the time when I have words of knowledge in front of a large unsaved Jewish audience, <laughs> God, if you don't show up, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So you can understand. <laughs> Completely. What happened? The, the mother came with the child, ran forward, screaming, crying. And I stepped down off the platform because I didn't want this to be a show. And I came down to the side of the platform. I said, what happened to your baby? She said he drowned in a drainage ditch uh, early that morning. She'd walked all day uh, through the jungle, through the, you know, through the uh, countryside of India to come to our meeting. And I said, well, let me have your child. She handed me the baby. And I cradled it for a moment in my arms, and I began to uh, pray. I said, uh, how, how long had that child been dead? Oh, it would have been uh, eight hours, ten hours. Okay, that's dead, dead. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the village uh, where she lived, everyone saw her crying going out of the village with her baby, and they saw her bring it back alive. What effect did it have on the village? Oh, they, they were converted. And guess who became the pastor of the new church started? Uh, the mother. The mother, <laughs> her husband, became the oh. pastor of that congregation. Uh, that's got to be a highlight of your life. I mean, that's the purpose of a miracle, is, is to get people saved and sold out to the kingdom. Exactly. And, and to see a church born out of that one miracle. Maybe we need more signs and wonders and more miracles for church planting not only in Africa and South America and India, but what about Canada, Australia, America? Okay, tell me the moment and what it was like when that baby came back to life. What were you doing? I was laying this child down on a table, and I had looked to the mother. I said, God is going to do a miracle. I did not know what to do. I did not know what to pray, but I laid this child on the table and and the moment its head touched that table, it was like a lightning strike, hit the child and jumped up. Uh, it leapt like a catapult right into the arms of his mother. And believe me, dozens of us who witnessed this, we were all weeping. We were all awestruck by this miracle. The baby was cold, lifeless, in an instant, just coughed and, uh, and jumped and screamed out for its mother. And 
I, it just it changed my life forever. Out of curiosity, I mean, this is pretty dramatic. You see a television screen, you know what's going to happen. Then you're just a good secretary, and you state what you God has shown you is going to happen. Has this ever happened again to you with the TV screen? <laughs> uh, yes, it has. I in some of our meetings, I that television screen opens up again, and I get words of knowledge for specific people. And uh, specific events uh, I saw in Hawaii, I saw an earthquake when we were in Hawaii. I prophesied an earthquake was coming and uh, that it would happen right after we left. And by the time we got back to our home in Connecticut, they were calling us and saying a uh, historical swarm of earthquakes just swept over the island chain. Now, 2009 was a very significant year for you, and you got prepared for a major project by God. Uh, you were speaking in an Assembly of God church, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got to explain this to me, there's a fire over your head? Tell me about what happened. Let me tell you the quick story. Uh, I got invited to speak at this beautiful church in Providence, and I went, and I said, God, give me the word. And he said, tell the congregation, I'm going to send a coal of fire to this church. And I spoke it out three times. I was just so impressed that I was to deliver that message. And the third time, the pastor and his wife jumped up and pointed over my head and said, there are flames of fire coming out of the ceiling. Everybody leave right now. Did anyone besides those two people see it? Oh, everyone. 250-plus people saw it. The only one that did not see it was me because it was burning over my head. Did you feel it? I felt it. How did it feel? Well, it felt like the presence of God, like the light that had come into my room. And uh, there was a smoke that filled the building. It was an actual fire. It was a true fire because the firemen, 12 firemen, had to come and put it out. They put out the the fire over your head became a real fire, and the firemen came. How, how do you explain that, Brian? You're a bright guy. You're a biblical scholar. You've memorized half of the Old Testament. How do you explain that? You can't. You just, you just say, God, you are the God of glory, and in your temple all cry glory. And it, it just smoked the, the church building. It melted the sound system. The uh, the insurance company had to spend tens of thousands of dollars to repair what uh, what God did in a moment. Also in 2009, Jesus enters the room you're in and gives you an assignment. Tell me what that was. What a wonderful night that was. Uh, again, I was in my room, and uh, the uh, presence of the Lord became tangible, heavy, thick, so powerful— that I, I slipped out of bed and knelt there by my bed, and the one I love came and uh, commissioned me. He says, I, I'm commissioning you to do this translation project. And he breathed on me, just blew his breath upon me. I'll never forget that experience. And he promised me that, that he would give me help, that he would stand with me and give me secrets of the Hebrew language, secrets of the Bible, that would be for this last day's awakening. And uh, that was the beginning of the Passion Translation Project. D did he tell you the name of the Bible? No, he didn't. He just So where'd you come up with the word Passion Translation? Well, uh, years ago, 
I saw an angel named Passion in our church meeting. And uh, the Lord spoke to me, not, not audibly, but internally, and said, that angel is with your ministry. It's the angel of Passion. Now, I am so intrigued with this, this Bible uh, that you've done, the Passion Translation. Uh, and Jesus said he would give you secrets from the Hebrew language and downloads uh, as you were doing this. Did you see that? Oh, my. I see that regularly as I'm translating the Bible and seeing the, the uh, original text and the secrets that are hidden there. Uh, in in Luke 4, it says that Jesus taught in the synagogues, and everybody glorified him. But in the Aramaic text, which was the language of Jesus, Jesus taught in the synagogues and offered everyone glory. Hmm. Uh, uh, no, I've been reading it. I'm, I'm, I'm astounded because—and uh, you said something else that I've never thought about, but it made perfect sense to me, uh, is that— the uh, Greek language speaks to your mind, but the Aramaic and the Hebrew speaks to your emotions and is almost poetic and actually goes into your heart easier. Uh, comment on that. Uh, I so believe that. We're so thankful for the Greek scholars and the Greek manuscripts and the Greek uh, word studies. However, the Hebrew language is so unique, created by God, and Aramaic is a Semitic language as well. Uh, Aramaic and Hebrew both are so emotive, so passionate. There's so much God wants to say, uh, full of homonyms, full of secrets with multiple meanings. And as we look at the Hebrew text, it comes alive. The Greek is wonderful, but you know, in Ephesians 1, we have one long sentence that lasts almost uh, 18, 19 verses one Greek sentence. So you can... I, I have to tell you, when I read your translation, it's like, so, I mean, I've read every, just about every translation, but there's something fresh. Do you think it has anything to do with the Lord blowing on you when you had your visitation, that he wanted his breath on the words? I would say that humbly, that there is a breath upon this work that goes beyond a human uh, translator. It is the Word of God. God breathed, and He is wanting this God-breathed Word to come alive in this last days. He wants to give us a revival Bible, and I believe the Passion Translation can really be a part of that. Uh, well, we know that words lose meaning. I mean, uh, though the difference between the words in King James and the words we use today, uh, you, you need a concordance to figure out what it's talking about. I have done that, uh, and I, I love the King James. Uh, however, the fact is words lose meaning, and in this information age we're living in, uh, most translations, a lot of words have lost their meaning. Uh, but But even beyond that, when you capture the emotions, it's like I'm reading a, a brand new version of the Bible. Yeah, it's the heart of God. God's heart comes through with fire and passion. If God uh, is angry, then he's really angry. If God is passionate and loving, he is really passionate and loving. Okay, we, we have put the eight volumes together. 
of your translation, the most recent. And as a matter of fact, we're offering one, and we're the first one to do it. Uh, you have the Psalms. You have the book of Proverbs, the wisdom from above. You have the Song of Songs. It's a divine romance, and we could talk about that forever. You have Luke and Acts to the lovers of God. You have the Gospel of John, eternal love, and letters from heaven. Uh, the epistles of Paul and Hebrews and James and, uh, and Tim- Timothy and Matthew. Um, and they're done each in smaller books. We have eight volumes. So a woman could put it in a medium-sized pocketbook. A man could put it in his attache case. I mean, it's light. I know a lot of people like to read these in computers, but there's something good about having it in, in with ink and paper, and it's small enough that you can take one of these with you at all times, and it's, it's going to be like the ro- romance that you originally had from God. I believe it's going to be captured. It's going to come back. Now, if you were to go out and buy these individually, which you could not because uh, the one of the books we're offering isn't even available in the stores, it would cost you $120. But we are going to make it available, all eight volumes, for $89, and that includes free shipping and handling. And when we come back, Brian, I want you to tell me about what you see for the future of America and the future of the world. God gave you a detailed vision. We'll be right back. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. This is Ed Roth here with Dr. Brian Simmons, and uh, Brian, I, I have... Uh, these various volumes of the New Testament uh, and and some from the Old Testament. Like, I have the book of Psalms here. And I'll tell you, if that was all you did, it would have been worthwhile. Uh, It's You subtitle it Poetry on Fire. Why would you subtitle it that? Well, the Psalms is poetry, and God's heart is a heart of fire. And I think uh, poetic fire needs to come across into our hearts as we read the Psalms. And tell me about Proverbs. As you worked on that, you subtitled it Wisdom from Above. You know, we need heavenly wisdom. The The world's wisdom is running out. We have to have the mind of Christ, the wisdom from above. So that's the, the absolute theme of the book of Proverbs. And then perhaps the, the, the most amazing is your translation of Song of Songs. Why is that so important? Well, it's a masterpiece. It's eight chapters of prophetic revelation of how Jesus sees the bride, how he prepares us, how he loves us into maturity, and how he brings us into the fullness of Christ. It's a gem hidden, hidden in the middle of our Bible, just waiting for the church to discover. I imagine you get feedback on that particular book, Song of Songs, and people actually see Jesus talking to them about uh, these words of love from the, from the words in your translation. Oh, they do. They love it. And it's uh, for men and women. We all need the, the romance of the, of the gospel to really win our hearts. And, uh, uh, of course, one of my favorite is Letters from Heaven. What is that? Letters from Heaven is a compilation of some of Paul's writings, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy. 
And uh, it, it is the heart, I believe, of Paul's apostolic grace that he pours into the churches that he started. Letters from heaven. Imagine if God wrote a letter from heaven, what it would read like. So I know people will love it. Well, you know, because it's so fresh, because it it gets almost, it goes right into your heart because it's dealing with emotions. And you explain this is an amazing phenomena. It's almost like Paul is in your living room mentoring you when you read that. Uh, and how how about the brand new tr- translation that we are we have for a period of time until the stores get it? Matthew. Matthew, the book of our loving King. This is going to really touch the hearts of people. I just worked on Matthew twenty eight recently, and the resurrection of Jesus, the angel that came out of heaven, rolled the stone away, sat on top of it. Mary Magdalene stunned. The soldiers petrified. Uh, wait till you read it in the Passion Translation. And, of course, the book of Hebrews and James. Uh, uh, what, what do you say about the, these two books? Well, the, the theme of Hebrews is faith, the faith of God. We go from faith to faith. And the theme of James is works, that true faith works. So we've called that uh, dual volume, uh, Hebrews and James, Faith Works. I love that. So we want it's eight volumes, and as I said, you can take one of them and keep it with you. It's so light. You can put it in your attache case, a medium woman can put it in a medium-sized pocketbook, uh, purse, uh, or you can just carry it with you. It's so light. Uh, and I, I can see people at lunch hour just reading this, uh, that, that it's more exciting to read this than to eat your food. And I can see you just zooming in the spirit every time you take God's word inside of you. Um, what is your feeling on this? The Bible says the word of God is alive. The word of God is Jesus. The word of God is our true food. Uh, what difference does it make if someone, rather than having lunch, reads the Word of God from the Passion Translation, Brian? Oh, it's going to fill their heart. You're going to connect with eternity. God's Word is a living portal that escorts heaven and the glory of heaven right into your heart. So believe it, read it, and just enjoy the Passion Translation. Now, I do know one time you went to heaven. Have you been to heaven more than one time? I have. But tell me, because this intrigues me immensely, tell me about the library that you went to in heaven. Well, I was taken into a massive room as far as the eyes could see, and it was full of volumes of books, uh, books on every verse of the Bible, verse uh, books on science, and even sciences that have yet to be discovered. I saw the doubling of the periodic table. I just saw the—it's like the treasury chest of knowledge, the mind of Christ. I was taken into this massive library room of heaven, and Jesus walked up to me and said, I brought you here, Brian. He spoke my name. I brought you here, Brian, to take any two books you want, and I quickly found the two that I knew I was to take, that I'd come to that encounter for those two books. Which two? Well— one, uh, one I can't say. I'm not uh, released to say what that is yet. But uh, the other was uh, the spirit of revelation. And I believe God is wanting to pour out the spirit of revelation on his people. And 
I came back with a fresh infusion. Uh, one of the seven spirits of God is the spirit of revelation knowledge, the spirit of discovery. And that anointing, I know, uh, came on my life in that experience. And and so this, uh, would you say this allows you to be a better teacher because of the spirit of revelation? How, how does this play out practically? Well, every time I open the Bible, I get fresh insight. I, I, it speaks to me. It goes beyond the mind. I, I get uh, dreams and, and revelation from from the Lord that is clear and uh, prophetic. So uh, I think, Sid, I believe I got baptized in the spirit of revelation in that library room of heaven. Now, there is another book that caught your eye, even though you sa- he said you could only have two. I found a third one, and uh, I tried to, for a moment, I, I know my sinfulness coming out, but for a moment I thought, how can I steal this book? How can I get this book? I've already found <laughs> I If I could only take this book, it would change the world. Every nation would come to know Jesus. It would shake the world if I could get this book. Oh, I'd like that book, too. <laughs> uh, and uh, What was the title? Said, he, he said, Brian, I can't let you have that book, but I will another day. I will bring you back one day, and I will give you the book. And written on the cover of the book was John 22. But wait a second. There's only 21 chapters in John. How could that be? That's right. The last uh, verse of chapter 21, it says, John writes that if, if everything Jesus did was, were to be written down, I suppose that the earth itself could not contain the books that would be written. And that's how John's gospel ends. But I saw John 22 in the library room of heaven. And I know that is not adding to the scriptures. I would never imply that. There's nothing more going to be added to what is written. But the works of Jesus, the John 14, 12 generation of greater works, there's coming a day when a John 22 company will complete and finish and release to the earth the works of Jesus again. Boy, I'll tell you, when you get a hold of that book, I'd like to take a look at it myself. Uh, but but uh, what feedback are you getting on the translations you've done so far, eight volumes? Every day we get emails and messages from friends, pastors, people from around the world, English speakers that are reading the Bible as though they had discovered it for the first time. One thing we hear a lot is people who had actually given up on Bible reading, that they just, uh, they just weren't reading their Bibles consistently anymore, that when they picked up the Passion Translation, something jumped inside of them, they came alive, and they fell in love with the Bible again. So that, that's why I believe God wants the Passion Translation to get out, because He wants His life, His Word, to be alive and powerful in our hearts. Okay. If you were to go in the stores and buy this, you could not buy them all because we have an exclusive on one of the books. It, you would pay a retail value of $120, but we're making all eight volumes available for a gift of $89, and that'll include free shipping and handling and recognize that when you get this gift that's going to revolutionize your walk with God, it's going to get the passion of the New Testament into your heart. It will change everything in your life. It will put a greater hunger inside of you for the Word of God. You want it, 
Well, here's how you can do it. So I, I, I'm going to urge you to get a hold of these eight volumes and watch what God's going to do. But in addition to all of that, any profit we make from it after we pay for radio time and television time, then it's poured into Jewish ministry. In fact, if you can increase uh, your, your gift, or, or we like to call it your investment, over $89, that'll all be poured into Jewish ministry. And this is the set time to favor Zion. Uh, now, Brian, in 2010, you had an encounter that left you trem- trembling, and God said, one more time, there's going to be a major revival uh, like Charles Finney had in America. Uh, tell me just briefly, what was the revival like under Finney? Well, the Lord wants to restore Finney's revival, and it. And I knew a little bit about Charles Finney and his revival. I'd studied it, but when the Lord said, I'm going to restore the principles of Finney's revival, and he said, I'm going to give you two right now, and the other two... Uh, the other 10, you're going to have to search out. The other eight, you're going to have to search out and find. But uh, yeah, it's the principles of repentance and prayer were the two he gave me. And he said, repentance always precedes revival. And every prayer, uh, every revival can be traced back to a prayer meeting. And and this, but he told you this would be even greater than Finney's. And as I understand it, under, under Finney, he would go into a city and wherever he would walk, it's not so much even what he would say. The presence of God would come on people and they'd start weeping and they'd lay on their face repenting. I mean, what would happen to America if a revival like that hit us? One of the great features of Finney's revival was 50-mile radius around him, wherever he went. The unusual atmosphere of heaven was tangible. People would uh, repent, come to know Jesus, even though they didn't even see Finney. Just the 50-mile radius around him released the tremors in in the natural realm. So that's what's coming. That's the, the glory that's coming in these last days. Now, you recently had a dream uh, about the last days, which I am so excited about. Would you tell us? It was a dream of darkness. I saw tangible, thick, heavy darkness come upon the nations. And in the dream, I wept. I said, God, who is going to break this darkness? Who could penetrate and pierce a shroud of thick darkness like this? And then all at once, I saw a group of young adults, 20-something young adults, that stood up on the horizon and they commanded the sun to rise at midnight. It was like the opposite of Joshua's miracle, where the sun stood still. They commanded at midnight the sun to come up, and it rose. And the Lord spoke, the voice of the Lord in the dream spoke, and said, my daybreakers are coming, my dawnmakers are coming. And I know that a young adult revival is going to be birthed in the nations, America is going to be shaken, the nations of the earth, by the young adult movement that's going to rise up. And how far off are these things, in your opinion? I believe it's imminent. I, I really believe 2015 is the year of experiencing this awakening, the glory of God drenching the earth again. 
Could it be that the devil has some insight in this, and that's why he's killing generations of of humans through abortion? That's why he's turning our colleges into factories to drum the faith of even Christian college students, drum it out, because his greatest nightmare is when these young people walk in that type of power. I believe you're right, but when the the devil sends his worst, God sends his best. And there's a man sent from God whose name was John, and I think there's going to be a generation of John the Baptist breakers that are going to rise up in the nations and shake off the status quo and bring the light of a new day to the earth. Look, I know when they get these eight volumes of Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Song of Songs, Luke, Acts, John, uh, the Epistles of Paul, Hebrews, James, Matthew. I know when they get that for a gift of $89, which includes free shipping and handling, uh, that their passion is going to explode. But would you pray right now for the same passion that you have for God's Word, for Jesus, for humanity, to be just descend on us? Lord, we thank you for the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ that moved him to carry the cross and be crucified for our sins. We want to tap into the flame of God that was burning in the heart of Yeshua. Jesus, ignite in us the passion of God. Ignite in us, Lord, the flame of zeal rooted in the mercy kiss of heaven that we can go to the nations and awaken our Jewish friends and awaken Israel, that we could awaken the nations of the earth, push back the plagues and push back the darkness and bring forth a new day of glory. Lord, awaken the nations, awaken the nations. I see a move of God breaking loose in Washington, D.C. I see the power of heaven coming upon politicians in America. Uh, a new righteousness movement being birthed in our land. The first three months of 2015 will be the most crucial, uh, significant months in the history of America for the last 100 years. A move of God is going to hit uh, the Northeast, the, the Northwest, Florida, and Southern California. And there's going to be a powerful move of God in Kansas City. And those five regions are going to open up the heavens and provide a canopy of glory over America. God bless this land, awaken righteousness, and awaken this generation to the fruits of God, we pray in Jesus' name. And I want to bless you right now. In fact, the Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already smiled upon you. The Lord has already poured his goodness and his spirit upon you. The Lord has already gifted you. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Brian, do you see anything else you want to say or pray? I just want to... They encourage everyone to open their heart to a deeper move of the Holy Spirit and let the passion of God come through you to be a, a dispenser of the divine and to carry, like Mary, to bring forth the Christ in these last days, the Christ in you company that will reveal him to the nations of the earth. 
So that's that's my longing. Our world is rife with comparisons about what separates us. Day after day, we go about our lives with tunnel vision. But Scripture tells us how Messiah broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, allowing for the creation of one new man, one new humanity. This spiritual completeness is set to usher in the greatest move toward God the world has ever known. Log on to SidRoth.org today and learn how one new man is the key to unlocking God's greatest blessings. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.